0: Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. We're here with a special Friday edition, a bonus episode, and it is going to be a conversation about No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie, kind of as a follow-up to our Wednesday pod in which we power-ranked all the James Bond films. And with me here, Zach Howes, my usual co-host. Zach House. how you doing? What up? No time to spoil. Let's go. And our main man, Stegs, is back with us. Stegs, what's going on over there? How's it going?
1: What's
0: going on, boys? How you doing? Chilling, man. And we are going to get into No Time to Die. This is going to be a conversation that definitely includes spoilers. So if you have not seen this film, do not listen to this pod. Uh, That's not going to go well for you. You're going to be mad at us, but we warned you, so don't get mad at us. And... Zach, I know this was your first time back in the theater. So I actually want to start with asking you, what was that like being back for the first time? Did you did you enjoy yourself?
2: I think you know this about me, but if you don't, uh, here's a quick story. Like, I'm a huge, huge theater fan. Like, I love going to the theater to watch movies. I always have. it. There's something nostalgic about it. Um, dating back to when I was a kid just like in I don't know in the summer sitting in a dark air-conditioned theater with a ton of people watching movies so I absolutely love it and to be honest granted I went in the middle of the week pretty late at night but like it was kind of depressing dude like there was no one there absolutely no one now it was awesome because I could pick whatever seat I wanted and like spread spread out and enjoy myself but at the same time I'm not they legit we're like six total people in this theater to watch a major blockbuster of a movie. So there's something a little bit sad about the way uh everything's impacted by COVID still. Uh, it didn't matter. I still love the hell out of it. Like I had a great time. But yeah,
1: kind of kind of sucks that no one's going back to theater still.
0: Stex, was this your first movie back or had you been back before?
1: No, I've been back for a couple. I've uh I fully adopted the solo movie viewing experience. Um, I've never been someone who actually dislikes that. I've always found it kind of enjoyable to, you know, I just like, I like going to movies. I find it very relaxing. It's like goes back to college when I was taking like film classes and we would just spend basically our like Thursday afternoon class watching an old movie in the dark small theater room uh it was always very enjoyable uh, i just kind of zanned it out so i, I mean I, I like going to movies when it's crowded i like going to movies when i when it's not so yeah, i guess it still works for me right now but i definitely see where you're coming from zach you know it's not uh it's certainly not bustling for like a for a you know you want one with has an audience reaction and stuff like that so, you know you kind of lose that
2: yeah and, and and with this movie in particular and any blockbuster like take it whether it be mcu or bond or um, whatever action movie comes out in the summer, right? Like, it's more fun when you have that reaction to the major visceral moments of the movie and I was actually sitting there in the theater in the beginning thinking to myself, like, damn when uh, when the traditional Daniel Craig walks across the screen inside the scope and then turns and shoots, if this were a normal scenario I guarantee the, the audience would have gone wild because this is Daniel Craig's last movie, but as I'm sitting there, it's just like, cool that happened. Everybody, <laughs> all six of us, are silently watching this, and yeah. uh, let's move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I also saw it. Like, um, I, I, this so far during COVID, like I've seen a couple in big theaters. I saw uh, Shang Chi. I saw uh, Black Widow, both in like large theaters. And Shang Chi, I was literally by myself because uh, I went at a weird time. Um, and then Black Widow was like kind of in that window where things were very open at the time. So that was actually like a legit theater experience, which was a lot of fun. But um, other than that, I did a lot of drive-ins, which was actually like, I, I have a, I grew up very close to a drive-in. Great. I love the drive-ins, man. I absolutely love the drive-ins. I love that like the snacks are cheap and they're small and they're like, this is like, this is the size popcorn that you should be eating, you fat piece of shit. But I'm like, <laughs> so I just instead go and buy four of them over the course of the, the movie. <laughs>
2: I'm right there with you. Drive-ins. It, the funny thing is, there's a nostalgia that we don't eat, we shouldn't even have because we weren't born in that era. And yet, I still have nostalgia when I go to a drive-in because I, I did go a couple times as a kid, and it's always so much fun and such a unique experience. It's drive-ins are great.
1: I think we were even talking about that a couple podcasts ago. It was like uh, the, the '50s is like a you're just, it's an era that you're nostalgic for for even yeah. though we have no exposure to it. It's just like a naturally nostalgic era for some reason absolutely but this one was actually fun because um it wasn't that crowded but there were enough people and they clearly were very excited to be seeing it and i also saw it up in tupper lake shout out tupper lake uh, theater there but like it's a very small privately owned theater and it's usually like the one owner who who runs it and he's really happy to have you there and but like it's an old theater so you're inside it's like an old you know the rooms from the 20s and it's like they've updated to the digital but it's like you know they're kind of slowly updating the, the rest of it so it's got that going on but the screen's not that big but like there's only probably i think i counted 13 other people there but 13 in that room is you know it, it's, it's enough it's enough that like you know you have plenty of room around you but it at least feels like some someone's in there you know
2: yeah. I, I actually saw this sucker in IMAX, which was awesome. Mm.
1: Definitely recommend it. I'm kind of jealous. I feel like I probably saw it like on the iPhone equivalent then, but on the theater that I saw it in. <laughs> all
0: right. So let's leave the theater experience aside for a moment and talk about this actual movie. You know, this is the close to the Daniel Craig era. It's kind of a big moment in the Bond franchise, a franchise that we're obviously all very fond of. How did you feel about this movie in general?
1: It's okay. So it is hard to separate it from just being a Bond movie. Not having gone to the movie theaters in a long time, it having been delayed for over a year. I think two years actually. And like I think we said last time, like I always go to. I always went to Bond with my dad. So like I made a point of making sure I went up uh, north to where they live and and going with him. And so it was amazing on that point. I just it was like an instant rush of like oh I'm so pumped to just be seeing a Bond movie. So it was that, but then I will also give it a COVID caveat of about, I think I didn't even make it to the second bub bump of the bub up bombs in the beginning before the dude next to me was like, (laughs) Uh, and then, so I was a little preoccupied the whole time being like, uh, damn (laughs) dude's just coughing up a lung, like five rows down. It it ended up not being an issue. I think he, you know, I think guy was like a 10 pack a day kind of dude. So just was, that was what the deal was. But, you know, so I, after that very first intro, I had to go snag my mask out just to be safe. But no, I I, I really, it checked all the boxes for me for the most part. I definitely think it, it requires a second viewing for me anyways, just because there did come with those caveats of being a little distracted and also just being caught up in the moment of like, I'm seeing a Bond movie. I think they did an excellent, excellent send-off job um, for what it could have been. It was different than I expected it to be, to be honest, as, as you as well, so...
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel the same way. I definitely need a second viewing to like fully wrap my head around it. I think I'm caught in this space of being kind of emotional, honestly, about Daniel Craig kind of ending his tenure as James Bond. And that's a little bit clouding my judgment of the movie. I can honestly say that I did enjoy this movie. I think it is a good movie. I don't think it's on the level of the best Bonds. I don't think it's on the level of the worst bonds. I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I really did enjoy my theater experience watching this. It was a lot of fun. It tugged on the heartstrings a little bit. It had the action. It had the laughs. It had all the things. It checked all the boxes, as you said, Steg. So, you know, in the end, I really did enjoy my, my, my movie going experience in this case.
2: You guys bring up a couple of points that are, that are perfect and and interesting and things that I wanted to talk about when I left the theater um, so the first one is, it is very difficult to separate how much I liked this movie or didn't like it. In this case, I did. I liked it a lot. But um, how much I liked it from, am I, giving, am I giving this movie a boost just because it's the first time I've been to the theater since COVID started? Um, and the reason why I say that is like when the Bond theme hit, and again, when, when Daniel Craig comes walking across the screen in the scope... Like, I got chills. And I don't know. Well, actually, I do know, like, a huge part of that is probably just because I was in a theater for the first time in ages. And, and I also know in the back of my mind, this is the last movie where I get to see Daniel Craig do that it's going to be somebody else next time. So I did I as I sat there watching this for two and a half hours, I, I thought multiple times, like, Am I liking this more because I know this is the end of an era and because I know I haven't gotten to experience this, this being, I'm in a dark theater for so long, or is it because the movie is actually damn good? So I I will definitely want to see it again. Um, Actually, next time, probably want to see it on my TV instead of in a theater and just see how much I like it um, to judge it from a different perspective. I changed. So it took. It takes me about fifteen minutes to get home from th- this particular theater I went to. I changed my opinion of the movie like three different times in that drive home, because I walked out. I, I think at one point I walked out thinking this is close but not quite as good as Skyfall and Casino Royale. Then I went to actually fuck that. This is kind of Quantum of Solace. And then I changed again to. You know what? No, I did really like the things that they did. And it's, it's in the middle of the Daniel Craig uh, overall quality. And it, it's, it's pretty damn good. And that's, that's where I've settled so far. I, I think if you ask me, well, you are asking me right now, where I would put it, it's, it's definitely below Skyfall and Casino Royale. But it's right there with Spectre and possibly better than Spectre. I don't know. So it's right somewhere around there.
1: Nice. I, I would definitely put it above Spectre for me. Same. Um, but decidedly below the other two. Like, and like, I wouldn't even want to put it with the other two because I think with where we came off in the previous episode, we obviously were very high on yeah. in Skyfall. I think they almost made Mount. I think it might have made Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah, so Both I, them. I they
0: were one and two.
1: Yeah, so this isn't Mount Rushmore, but. It might be like a lesser monument in one of the other Dakotas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Devil's but, Tower in yeah, Wyoming. No, hey, it's not Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower is a, <laughs> Devil's Tower is a hidden gem. Yeah, who
0: knows? I think that's appropriate place to settle because that's where I have it too. And like, I think it's better than Spectre. There are a lot of things that I quite like about this movie. It's not, it's not top tier like Skyfall and Casino Royale. I mean, obviously, I need to kind of crystallize my my opinion with further viewings but i do think this is quite a good movie um specter has a lot of flaws and this does not nearly have that degree of flaws i feel and so i'd like to you know take a moment to talk about some of the things we loved and i i just want to kind of almost go chronologically in terms of this movie and i want to start with that opening scene this movie opens with you know the standard kind of pre-credit action sequence and this one goes on for a full-on like I think 25 minutes before the, uh, before the song and the credits kick in, Mm -hmm. it is a long, long sequence. And you open in this kind of Arctic environment with this kind of creepy, almost serial killer vibe. And then it transitions into this very cool action sequence car chase. So I just want to talk about that for a moment. How did you guys feel about that opening sequence?
1: I gotta say, I loved the opening sequence. I actually, overall this movie like one of the massive pros for this movie is the action the action sequences were like so not only just phenomenal like just story-wise and like fun but they were like incredibly well shot like they were like it was they were and they were tight and they were so so they're really fun but the beginning one i thought the intro part was like it was fine it was pretty typical like but like the uh with the arctic part but the moment we went into the car scene like it was like they had written down, like, all right, we really need to check off every box in this. They got gadgets, they got like gizmos aplenty. plenty, its and what's its galore. Shout out Little Mermaid. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was, I mean, it was awesome. I really, really loved it. And uh, it started slow. It kind of somehow made it tie into like the best through lines of the other movies, um, kind of completing some of those arcs and like fitting into the emotional narrative, but then also just being like an awesome standalone, like, hey, let's get back into Bond world. And I, uh, so I really, really thought it was a great hook to get into the movie.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, there's two things that really uh, stuck out to me, like about the opening sequence and they were like directorial choices. The first one, and, you know, I should say I love Kerry Joji Fukunaga. He did season one of True Detective, which I think is just an absolutely massive accomplishment. He's an absolutely outstanding director, I think. And there's two specific things that really stuck out. The first one is when a young Madeline Swan is trapped under the ice and she's kind of struggling and this masked figure has to kind of drag her from the ice. I thought that was just so well shot. It kind of captured the terror of that moment while also just being very beautiful in the way it was filmed.
1: Did you notice the skyfall uh, callback there with that, with that wide underwater?
0: I did the wide underwater when he's trapped under like so good. And it's just kind of peering up and you know, this, there's these like shadowy figures above the ice that you can't really see because the ice obscuring it. It's a really cool callback and just a very beautiful shot. The second one is when bond stops the car during the car chase and the guy comes up real close and he's just shooting at the glass, the bulletproof glass, trying to kind of take it down over and over again while Madeline Swan and Bond are having this kind of disagreement and this kind of moment of distrust with one another. And the tension in that scene was very effective while also being very like well-shot action. And so those two things really stood out. And I thought, you know, I was just like in the end, that moment, I was like, you know, Carrie, you fucking nailed it, bro.
2: God, I, I had a lot of thoughts on the opening scenes, or a sequence um, precisely what you just mentioned with Madeline Swan. Uh, I, I, I'm struggling on where to start. I, I would say I could have done with about half of the Norway part of the opening sequence. I think it went on a little too long. I didn't need that much backstory. Now, what I really want to dig into is the ties that this movie has, this specter, and the fact that such an important part of this movie is tied to what I think of as the weakest part of Spectre, that being Bond's relationship with Madeline Swan, I fucking hated that in Spectre. So the fact that it carried over here was it was a weakness for me. However, this movie does do a good job with it. In my mind, my relationship with this movie was repaired a little bit because I bought in more to the Bond-Madeline Swan relationship in this movie than I did in Spectre. At the end of the day, I still think it's dumb overall, but this was this movie did a much better job of selling me on that relationship than Spectre did. So in, in a way, I almost want to give it bonus points for making up for the fact that Spectre set it up so poorly to begin with.
0: And I think I, the way that they kind of did it where they were establishing this relationship dynamic all wrapped up in an action sequence with the car like the, when you're able to accomplish both, like both being a, awesome. both being a awesome. breathtaking action sequence and establishing some kind of relationship dynamic, when you're able to do both, that that's ace filmmaking right there. Yeah. I
2: think I could not agree with you more, Corey. That part, that scene, that small sub scene in the car where Bond is considering, "Do I trust this woman?" He's fuming in that moment and he's letting her get shot at repeatedly because he's, he is trying to figure out based on her reaction to getting shot at whether or not he trusts her. I thought it was brilliant. It was awesome. It was real, very well done. Um, and that, that probably helped me buy into the entire relationship overall. However, if you back up a couple minutes, like five, 10 minutes in that, in that opening sequence, him going to Vesper's uh, grave, was, was one of the few times ever in the Bond series where like got a little dusty in the theater for me. Like I, I, like I felt that for Bond, but then immediately I'm taken away from that because the grave blows up. He goes chasing after this new woman he's in love with. And then I immediately remember, oh, fuck this relationship. This is a stupid ass relationship.
1: I just saw the real relationship over here. Poor Vesper is still dead and he's cheating on her with this dumb 20 year old that was kind of what I was getting mad as I, I think them doing like get bringing it back to Vesper there too is just like I thought that was a great nod to how important that relationship has been to the entirety of Daniel Craig's run kind of what we were getting into in last episode and um so I thought that was really awesome that they brought that that back and kept it there and they didn't just ignore it because it would have been really easy to ignore at this point and it just kind of shows that the attention to overarching plots not just in the villains but in the actual like emotional plot of bond throughout daniel craig's run has been way more than it ever has been in uh the bond franchise and something that has kind of made the daniel craig bond movies kind of feel more like um a different level of cinema than previous bonds have been um which is really cool so i thought they did a really awesome job and i think how good that opening sequence is not only from an action standpoint but from like a theme and emotional standpoint with what you were saying, Corey, like that one scene, I love that scene when they're in like basically having an argument while they're in a fight scene. It's just like that combination of like important plot, great emotional building for like what the characters are going to go through. And then also just like killer action. Like that kind of gave the movie a lot of room for error for me.
2: You know what I also liked on a more granular level uh, was... The use of we talked about gadgets in the past, the use of the original Aston Aston Martin again in new in new and unique ways. Like we haven't seen Bond spin that car in a circle using his Gatling gun or using the miniguns in the front. That was so badass and and it's something I just didn't, I didn't expect to see. It was very cool.
1: Whereas the two, of the two civil war soldiers on the hood, just going with their Gatlin guns. Uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was my favorite part of the whole movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that, that was awesome. Um, it was awesome. Cool. I do agree. Corey, you. sorry. I cut you off.
0: I actually want to get to a, another scene though. I, you know, kind of moving forward forward or <laughs> forward forward Fo- forward <laughs> the next scene i really want to talk about is the cuba sequence where Woo! james bond is you know brought back into the life by felix lighter who shows up and i absolutely love this part while completely understanding and knowing that it doesn't really fit in the movie at all and it's the part oh, with yeah. It's the part with Ana de Armas's character, Paloma. She's so good. She's so no. good. Bond is so good. This action sequence is so good. It has laughs. It has, you know, nice puns. It has great action. But tonally, it doesn't really fit in the movie. But also, I don't care. Not at uh, all. Yeah, I
1: agree. It-
0: because this the sequence just rules so much but like it also doesn't fit in the movie so i'm just i want to talk about this scene for for a moment and how you guys felt about this because i I can tell you also like liked it
1: i loved it i loved all of cuba so much it was it was so good and like this is to the point where like that movie was just still kicking ass it was hitting like everything on on point at that point it was i thought the party was a little bit like hokey and a little bit weird uh like what happened in it but like it was just it was weird it was like a fun it, it was very like jokey almost in some of the parts and like it was older bond like older yeah no school bond. 100% no I, I 100% agree with you and and uh like Ana de Armas like I don't know if she jumped on just because of Knives Out and was like hey you want to come work on this bond movie with me and uh she's like sure because it was like just kind of like two buddies just having a good time um but she was awesome and then when she signed off, sorry to spoil here, but like when she basically just said like, uh, you know, my part's done and she's dropped off. I was like, the fact that she didn't come back was what really made it, we like, like, what the hell was that? <laughs> Dude, that my biggest, wild. My biggest, yeah, my
2: really biggest pseudo complaint about the entire movie was why isn't Anna de Armas in this more? She need, I need more of her. And it's not like, it's not a
1: real complaint, but also what the fuck guys, bring her back. She was incredible if she doesn't come back in future movies my what the fuck is gonna like double because (laughs) they either because the only explanation for that level of a drop-off is is like she's so good we want to get her in this and we definitely are going to make her a character moving forward because she was awesome um maybe she's the new felix or something like Uh, okay uh, thank
2: you thank you i didn't want to spoil it but like new new felix right she's got to be
1: and dude, honestly, I would be hundred percent okay with that because she was like, yes. she like, it, they didn't like sexualize her or anything like that. She was just like freaking awesome. Like she was just a like, kicking ass, and she was fun, and she was. I also just like her as an actor. Oh, let's not she's, let's
2: let's not be too too nice. Like you said, they didn't sexualize her. She she was a fucking smoke show in this. Well, yeah, but she's the, a
0: that, smoke
1: show in life. That
0: dress, man, yes. with <laughs> the slit down the front, but also doing badass shit like what so yeah. I'm saying she
1: was like, she wasn't like, she was just, she wasn't terrible. She wasn't Hatcher just here. an object. Uh, like, yeah, she was not Terry was... Hatcher. She was like, she was, the, she's one of the best three characters in the movie.
2: Oh yeah. Actually, here's something I did want to talk about with you guys, um, because it's a, it's a Bond movie and we're all so, uh, we know these movies so well, so we know all the beats. Um, how, so to me, it was extremely obvious when she shows up and she seems like this ditz who only has quote unquote three weeks of training. most obvious red herring on earth that she she hasn't only had three weeks of training. So like, did you guys pick up on that? Like I did where immediately I was like, no, she's going to kick everyone's ass and be awesome. This is going to be great.
0: I definitely picked up on the fact that this was going to be kind of a, just running in joke between them where like she shows off her skills and then bond's going to make some quippy line about, Oh, three weeks. And he basically made that exact line. Yeah. And I just love I just love the entire sequence, everything with Paloma. The one thing that I do want to bring up, like apparently I I was listening to an interview with uh, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, and they only had her for like 17 days just because like her schedule is ridiculous. And then the Cuba thing just got completely thrown out of whack in terms of filming. So they had to almost film her and Craig separately the whole time, just her and Craig with a body double. And then they handled all the face-to-face stuff in like a two-day period where they were just like going at it like hard oh, wow. to like finish the sequence. So I don't know if this was just like schedule restraints. I I think, you know, I hope they are planning on bringing her back in the future because that entire part was just absolutely incredible stuff even though it felt like it didn't fit within the rest of the movie
2: yeah it was a plus like old school bond but also not daniel craig bond necessarily
1: (laughs) no i agree but yeah it was um it was fun it was really fun i'm really glad they put it in there and uh yeah i I do hope she comes back because i like she was a great really fun character and i honestly if she did uh, become a new Felix. I would be fine, like totally fine with that. She was hundred yeah, really percent awesome. in. Yeah.
0: The the part the the last part, and then we'll move on. But the the part that I love so much is when they kind of get done with the first part of the action sequence, and then they both just have to take a shot real quick yeah. before going outside and like continuing that, the action sequence. Awesome. A
2: plus. A plus. And I remember I was sitting there thinking like man, James, this is pretty dumb tactically, but go for it, you're James Bond. That I loved that scene, that was awesome.
0: Yeah, it was quintessential James Bond while also being a supremely dumb decision in the moment, right. which is quintessential James Bond.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that whole, I loved that entire 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, so, you know, honestly, I feel like there's kind of a chunky middle to this movie, and I feel like that is the part that personally... I don't love the most. I think there's a lot of stuff that yes, it serves a purpose, but also it's pretty slow in the middle, but there's this one sequence in Norway where Madeline, Madeline's daughter and bond are driving away from their compound when bond realizes that there's something amiss and that kind of car chase action sequence in the woods that was the one part from the kind of middle of this movie that really stood out to me as another one that was both very emotionally effective as well as being a very very good action scene and i wanted to get your guys's thoughts on that particular kind of sequence there
1: i would say uh it also was necessary like it, it was like they clearly were in edit we're like reading it and we're like we're watching it and rather thinking this is getting a little long (laughs) we need we need to we need to get some action injected in here and i think uh you know because they could have easily played out the beats in that without bringing the action just separated them out but I, i think stylistically with the earlier scenes having having that kind of juxtaposition of them having kind of full conversations and and um emotions like in the car as the action unfolds kind of made it feel more real made it feel more um and like I, it was also just like makes the film feel like it has a style, which I thought was pretty cool. But I thought that was a pretty, I mean, it, nearly, it wasn't nearly as good as the beginning sequence, but I would say uh, the action again was still really cool. I wouldn't rank it one of the best action sequence out there, but it was enough to to get us to the end.
2: I, so Stegs, I'm with you. And actually I'll take it even a step further. So the, I was conflicted about this because I did like the action. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a smooth brain person. So I'm going to like action no matter what, what you
1: throw at me but uh to the fucking marble up there just a, yeah just a exactly gum, um, gumball
2: but the first but i this was the first point in the movie where i did start to think this is drag like not dragging it was never dragging but it was getting a little long in the tooth and it was cool action it was unique action i, I mean so and it was unique in the sense that like we're fighting in the fog in the middle of this forest in norway which is not something you see every day so that was cool but I feel like they probably could have done it quicker. You're absolutely right. Like we definitely could have accomplished the goal of getting um, Madeline and her and her daughter kidnapped way faster than it took. There are some things in here that I want to talk about specific, but I don't know if we're going to bring them up later. For instance, like Billy Magnuson's character.
0: Let's do it now quickly. Yeah, I, so, I thought he was kind of a pointless character, to be honest. Yeah, he didn't, so I he didn't have he much did, to do.
2: I thought for, I like him as an actor. I like him a lot. I thought he was colossally wasted in this movie, and I think they introduced an interesting concept, a very interesting concept, and then completely wasted him as like a throwaway character at the end. So got, Not even at the end, like three – I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the movie. Not later. even
1: two-thirds. Yeah, like halfway yeah. through the movie. No, I really like him, um, and I got very excited when I saw his name in the opening credits to the point where I was like – this is dope because especially after the and arma stuff started and i was like all right so now we know what his vibes going to be he's going to be like a fun character cuz like him yeah. in um game night and like things like that like he is like he borderline makes that movie like he's he's yeah. hilarious <laughs> um so him coming in and like they don't there his character didn't even really make any sense to me like i think i feel no. like part of it was i was having a hard time following parts of those the subplots there which is like kind of makes sense for a movie that was like a like a second sequel to uh specter there or, or uh, just a sequel to specter so like it makes sense that the through lines still be a little rough but um yeah he was i, I don't and then also like the way he like, are we get are we even do we even need to say spoiler at this point like i can just talk freely yeah, and, just guess go. It. and like the way that he died like they killed him was like he was fine, but it kind of felt like he was like a secondary henchman, and like a dialogue. I felt movie. nothing. Not not like a yeah, like they didn't set him up nearly. I, I agree. That his whole I feel like his hallmark at this point though recently has just been like roles that could have that sound like they could have been fun and big movies and they just end up being kind of like duds.
2: Actually, phenomenal point because he is Pauly Walnuts could have been so much more in many states and newer
1: too. And he's that um, in Aladdin. He's in like the, he's like a yeah. prince who gets like a one scene for like half a second. He's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Who's your agent? Get a better agent.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I feel like the movie or the, or the directors or whomever should have decided either between him or Robot Eye Guy as the main secondary henchman or, you know, primary henchman, secondary, whatever, and then just discarded the other entirely and, and do that because. It became too convoluted. Billy Magnuson's character, to your point, Stegs, didn't really make any sense. Like he didn't need to be there at all, except for he's CIA guy who betrays uh, Felix Leiter. But then you're you're not given enough to grow to hate him, and you're not given enough, uh, I guess, scene work to grow to hate him enough. Aside from obviously his betrayal, and then at the same time, you're left wa- you're you're left wanting more. I, I don't know. It was just kind of a bizarre inclusion to have him in there and it didn't totally fit.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And this th- that's what I was talking about with this kind of chunky middle where this movie suffers from kind of what a lot of Bond movies suffer from where there's just a lot of extraneous plot stuff that gets thrown in there that isn't really that important and doesn't really add anything to the movie apart from being like moderately cool. And then they just kind of get discarded as almost the kind of you know extraneous plot points that they are like they realize after the fact like oh this doesn't really matter so let's just throw it out and so that that was my problem in general with this movie was just this like kind of long overwrought middle section that just didn't really need to be there I felt like
1: kind of kills the end a little bit in my opinion too just because like you get that initial beginning really gave it a lot of slack as I was saying before. But by the time you get through all this middle part, my patience for like just the slowness of some parts of this movie were kind of wearing thin. And at the end it was like, you know, and, and like, this is just a little bit of like a nitpicky thing for me, but like the color palette is very gray in this movie. Ooh, um, yeah, we're getting Marvel and, on them. And, and we're very much like, you know, Cuba was awesome because it was like, all of a sudden we're back in Cuba. There's bright colors. We're in a casino uh... and like, we're on the ocean. And like, then we're in Norway. So like, obviously we have the foggy, like skyfall as like sequence of of Norway. But then like, I want to break and I want to go back to like something that's like fun and vibrant or like at least like a cool layer, you know, like in Thunderball, those classic movies, like it's at least like, you know, tropical or something. And this like, we're on an island, but it basically is like, you know, like dark, blues and grays everything's concrete and brutalist and it was just too it was a little too like had that been really really exciting the whole time then i'm fine with it but having it be like so boring and like kind of like almost relaxing it was like a weird spa zen middle where i'm just like i'm kind of melting into my chair i'm like (laughs) this is this is enjoyable it's like it's spa tones and colors i was like i needed something a little bit more at the end to give me just a little bit like like a little shot of cocaine there uh, to like wake me up.
2: Stegs, I like this because I think we disagree a little bit. Uh, at the end of the- I do dude, it. what are
1: you talking about, Zach? Everyone loves to listen to a podcast with three white guys who agree about everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's true. That's why, that's why we do big numbers. Um,
2: it, that, I actually, I disagree because I thought the layer, the final layer, we're talking about final boss here in Japan, Mm-hmm. I actually really liked that. Um, I, thought, I thought that layer looked way cooler than what we got in Spectre. And that's exactly what I was thinking as I sat there in the theater. Like, man, this is actually, this is what I wanted the layer to look like in Spectre
1: never heard layer be like two syllables but i do i understand where you're coming from i think it, i think the fact that it still was enjoyable is like testament that it's still a fun good movie i just just was like i could use a little you know like maybe just have the fucking guy wear some yellow or something at the end there <laughs> so so at the risk of uh coming across as too negative
2: about this movie because i think i obviously we all did like it but there was one other thing that i wanted to make sure we talked about uh from a from a nitpick or not even a nitpick, this is actually just something I thought wasn't great about this movie. The villain overall, Raimi, is it Raimi Malik or Rami Rami Rami, Rami, Rami Malik? Might be the most wasted actor possibly in the history of the of the franchise. It, and and again, I'm gonna have to watch this movie Christopher again.
1: Christopher
2: Walken. You're right. Christopher Walken <laughs> may be it. Um, but either way, my point being. I was extremely excited when he got cast as the main villain in this. He's, one, he's barely in the movie. Two, because of the fact that he's barely in the movie, his motives make no goddamn sense. And three, like, he also doesn't bring a whole lot of person, like, unique personality to it. So I I found myself really disappointed in his performance. And I couldn't tell if it was his performance, if it was the writing or a combination of the two. And then also just the fact that he's, not really in it until the final third, just hinders the entire movie overall.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing with the villain is the fact that he doesn't show up really until the last section of the movie and Bond and him don't interact till then. What's so great about a lot of the earlier Bond films is that there's always this kind of cold war almost between Bond and the villain where they're interacting and they're kind of You know, doing their whole back and forth thing that's just verbal and then it turns into a physical real conflict at the end. And that is that that is what is ultimately interesting about a lot of these movies. But in No Time to Die, you don't get that. It's he shows up in the last 35-40 minutes in this long ending sequence on the island, but you don't get anything before that.
1: Yeah, I, I still don't really that was and this is it was my biggest gripe too. I actually not only did I think that he was wasted, I thought he didn't really give that good of a performance. I thought he was like, he made a choice. We'll put it that way. He made a choice and it was something, but I was not a fan. I had no idea. I knew knew like maybe 35% of what he was actually doing or what they were trying to get at. So when you have that, emotional punch at the end that you're supposed to have like you still get it kind of because they did spend a lot of time and they built bond's relationships up really well so having that taken away from him in that way was still like there was that emotional punch but having the person who did it to him i, I don't know yeah. that guy could just might as well just have been a freaking star trek red shirt because like i had <sighs> i didn't give a shit
0: well <laughs> no, i agree and i think it comes down to both the character and rami Malek's choices and You know, I want to get to the ending scene, but the one thing I want to bring up because Zach, you mentioned you were really excited about his casting. And so was I, when I first saw it, I'm starting to have a hard time knowing whether Rami Malek is good
2: Oh, because
0: like the little things, he was not good. I don't think he was particularly good in Bohemian Rhapsody. The last thing I think he was actually good in was Mr. Robot.
2: Oh my God. I'm so glad you're saying this. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like he, he wasn't that good in this. I always expect him. I always expect him to be Marlon Brando when I go to watch him and he just never is. And
1: (laughs) he was doing a bad Marlon Brando in this movie.
2: Well, no, what, what you were saying saying like, you didn't know what he was going for in this movie. Like his yeah, accent it was- changes
1: it like every season too. Like, like, I didn't know, mm-hmm. like what he was doing. It was like every like, well, sometime he drank some like hot tea before the scene started. <laughs> I don't know what happened.
0: So the yeah, one, I- the one question I-, I wanted to ask, though, did anyone else get Jared Leto in Blade Runner 2049 vibes from him? Because I did, especially when he was sitting behind that table. Talking to Bond, which I actually liked that scene. Everything else with him I didn't, but like I got serious Blade Runner 2049 Jared Leto right. vibes. And that's not a good comparison. I think Jared Leto's got kind of a shit these days, too.
2: Dis- dis- disagree on the Jared Leto take because <laughs> I love how fucking weird he is in that movie. But you're absolutely right. That's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal point or take, whatever you want to call it. That's exactly what that scene was. It was Jared Leto talking to Ryan Gosling, except in Bond.
0: All right. So let's get to this final kind of closing sequence. If you're listening to this point, you know, Bond dies in the end. And that, that was a choice. That was a choice to kill off Bond. And Stegs, I do agree with you in the sense that they built Bond's relationship with Madeline Swan and his daughter very effectively. So that got me, but I also agree with you that there's no kind of anger directed at the Rami Malik character, whose name is essentially Lucifer Satan in this fucking movie. There's no anger directed at him because that character is very poorly developed and very poorly acted, I think. So I didn't get any, there, there wasn't the full range of emotions in that moment. And so you know, I just want to get our general feelings on this kind of ending sequence, which lasts. It, it's a solid like 40 minutes on this island. Speaking of real quick,
1: what the hell was his name even? I don't even that's how that's how like yeah. bad this role is. I don't even
0: know what his name was. It's what it's honestly like Lucifer Satan. Like, that's essentially what they were going for, because Bond is always kind of on the nose with names. See, Jesus pussy galore.
2: Christ. Yeah, it was, it was Luke. <laughs> It was Lucifer
0: Saffin. <laughs> yeah, it's oh basically God. Lucifer Satan. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, Just it's just a weird thing that they did that with that role because like they clearly thought a lot about other parts of the script. That it just mm-hmm. seems weird that that like maybe the role on paper was way better and then it just wasn't played well. But I can't imagine that because the His name was that good. Lucifer yeah, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Satan. Yeah, I don't know. It was just I, I was. I was very surprised at how bad the villain was in this one yeah no I think like for me the ending like I, I it did still build up the relationship so I actually really did have you know it, it hit me a little bit in that spot and I was really like I, I I thought they built it up enough that his decision to do what he did felt right it doesn't really mean anything it, it, it but because of because of, like you know the character's coming back like it, it's it's gonna be a reboot of the character in a different person like but that being said I actually think that doesn't work against it in this case, because it's no. the close of a chapter of an actor. And I thought like for a guy who's literally been like for the last three movies, like, I'm not coming back. I don't feel like doing this movie anymore. My body's broken. These things are really hard to make. And like for him to come back and like them to kind of, I feel like they gave him as an actor also the ending that he wanted, where it wasn't just like, another. You know, it was like an actual official ending. I thought I wouldn't call it a perfect ending by any means, but I thought it was like, I left feeling like, you know what? Good job, guys. I thought you did. You did right by him. And I thought, like, I think there's probably an ending out there that if someone told me about it, I'd be like, that would have been better. But uh, and that would have been awesome. Uh, but I thought for this, I was like, I was very pleased. And I thought they did a, a nice job.
0: I don't think it was perfect, but I think it was ultimately what was necessary, given the kind of narrative around the movies outside of the movies. The one thing that I just want to bring up before we get to Zach, who I know has some different feelings about this. I got certain vibes from the ending. One was The Rock with Nicolas Cage, where he's kind of crawling outside of the Alcatraz as the missiles are showing up. Green flares, green flares. (laughs) I got those vibes as he was kind of climbing up the ladders and the missiles are descending on this island. The other vibes I got were uh, Dark Knight Rises, where uh, Bruce Wayne is taking the atomic bond out on that Batmobile those are the those are the vibes that i kind of got from that ending of course both of those movies the characters end up living and i don't think bond survived this which was a great decision like there's no way you can have him be thrown from this island and oh he's fine so i appreciated that that they didn't like pull the punch but i got those vibes from the kind of ending
1: the uh i definitely got dark knight rises that was like it it felt very similar to that i think uh the rock visually absolutely freaking love that movie by the way uh, the rock so good oh, yeah. um but yeah i mean it didn't have um i don't think it was as hokey as the rock nor should it have been so i think you're right on though. because michael bay Rises didn't direct sure. it <laughs> yeah exactly i would have i would have watched that movie uh, <laughs> thank you Stiggs. also side note um i just just because we haven't mentioned her like i do think i forget who played um the new 007 in
0: this Lashana Lynch is her name and she did an amazing job yeah. and we're going to talk about this, but I wouldn't mind if they brought her back too. Uh, Zach. Let's get your feelings on the ending because I know you don't feel exactly the same.
2: Yeah, um, really quickly, because I, I did actually I wanted to talk about Lashana Lynch. I think we should talk about her because that was one of the big controversies controversies heading into this movie it was, oh, my God, they made a black woman 007. What's happened? What's happened to James Bond? which was such a dumb controversy to begin with, but it still happened. It's so a non-fucking about issue. It. It's
0: so
1: stupid. I know. And you knew it was a non-issue the whole time too. Exactly. To actually watch? It's just like, yeah, but it exactly. was, she was, she was
2: great. Um, my very quick thoughts, and I definitely want to talk about this more. Very quick thoughts. I want to see her again in a Bond movie. I want to see that character again. I also don't want her to be James Bond at all. I think that would be dumb, but I absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt want to see her in future Bond movies because she kicked ass. She was awesome. But anyway, to me, it's unearned. Like it, this, this death was unearned because the villain sucked. If they were going to kill off Bond, it should have be it should have been because of something either Blofeld did, anybody but the Quantum of Solace guy should have been the reason for Bond's death. Not this random dickhead who wasn't a very good villain to begin with. So I didn't. Lo- I I love the balls of the idea. I didn't like the execution and I didn't like the predictable unpredictability of it. I, I, it just wasn't, it, it just felt unearned to me for such a major choice. Lastly, I'm just a traditionalist. I like Bond dying is stupid. Fucking don't do it. Just it's dumb. Stop it. You're trying to, you're trying too hard to be different by killing Bond. Just have him fucking retire or something. If you want Daniel Craig to go off into the sunset it doesn't work. It's not, it's not what I'm looking for out of a Bond movie. I'm not looking. I'm no one's really looking for a major twist at the end. And to sit, to say, Hey, we killed off James. Oh my God. What's the franchise going to do
1: next? Fuck you. So. And everyone uh, knows what they're going to do next to the franchise anyways, which is why we are saying like,
2: right. Right. They're going to so press the ex-
1: reset button. <laughs> yep.
2: Ex- exactly. So again, that's why I don't feel like it's necessarily earned because you're going to reboot this. This is a cash cow. So you're not you're not being as edgy
1: as you think you are by filming. Death, Death of Superman. But no, you know, it's it's Zach. I, I agree with what you're saying. Like I understand with what you're saying rather, but like I think it wasn't earned by this movie, but it was earned by Daniel Craig's arc throughout all of the movies. So like I still that's why I said like it didn't play maybe as quite as well as it could have for me. Um definitely not, but I think it definitely still played for me because of not only how all the other preceding movies had gone, but how they handled the relationship in this particular movie. And going off of um, one thing I did want to mention was like, I think what you mentioned with like Spectre, it should have been Blofeld, should have been Spectre. Like, I actually think that's a fantastic point because it really should have been. And that was like the fact that they just randomly, like, oh, we're going to kill all them off. It's like a twist, but we're going to do it in the first quarter of the movie. And then the villain's going to have no it. motive. It's like yeah. dumb because- why do that? You've been building this villain the whole time. It would be the equipment. Like you should just, if they want to see how to do it, go. You know, t- take a look over to Mission Impossible franchise and see how they got rid of. Um, you know, they had their villain basically the whole organization toppled in the fifth movie, and in the sixth movie they freaking handle it fantastically, and it's one of the best action movies of the last twenty yeah. years. And like that's how it you Avengers handle- Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is it's like there's so many great examples of it. I think it's such a weird choice, and I think maybe they were trying to be like like edgy and and come up with like we're gonna have an even better like red herring villain here but like he really just like he's not so talking about him more is making me like him less but like I do still like the movie because Bond and everyone else all the side characters were awesome.
2: Stags really quickly because I I did want to bring that up like once again it the reason why the the main villain Rami Malek's villain bothered me so much was he killed Spectre that should be the end of his motivation. He's done. It doesn't make any fucking sense to want to kill the rest of the world. He like he killed Spectre, who killed and, his family. Everyone. I'm not gone. sure so why. Why are you continuing this?
1: And my point, my point was earlier is like I'm not even sure he wants to kill the rest of the world. I don't know what he wants to do. He just right. brought some right. maps and he pointed at a lot of things and and then he had a vial that broke. That it's was not the, explained was well the, at all. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. not explained well.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's the ending of this movie and there's. A couple things that I want to do before we kind of close this thing out. The first is our stray observations. And I'm going to start because I want to start with the ending sequence of this movie. There is one scene. I mentioned Kerry Joji Fukunaga. He is infamous for this kind of seven minute tracking shot in True Detective, season one, episode four. It's the most fucking incredible thing I've ever seen. And he kind of does it again with this stairwell gunfight action sequence in that closing. And I thought that was oh, very yeah. very good. And it and it wasn't it wasn't the same as True Detective because you didn't notice it while you were watching it. And that's what I thought was really good. When when you're watching the True Detective one, you're like, "All right, the director's flexing on me right now." But when you're watching this, it's a little bit more subtle, but you're kind of you're you're brought into it so much that I just thought that was a very brilliant scene. And the way that it ends when he comes out of the stairwell is you get the fan service moment where James Bond looks down a tunnel and shoots a unseen bad guy. And that's the opening sequence. So like and- that whole bit was just brilliant. And I wanted to put some shine on it because it's just fucking thumbs yes. up. Yeah. Carrie.
1: Yeah. Hey Corey, you know what, so I love I think it was really cool that you noticed that and mentioned that like it wasn't that noticeable, which made it like what the best part that was so cool about it, because when you texted me that um, afterwards, I was like, I didn't even freaking realize that. And then and then the moment you said it it was like, boom, I just remember thinking, this is awesome. It was like a really awesome sequence. And uh, yeah, and I love uh, I didn't realize it was that director when I was reading it, like when I was watching it either, because like that is one of my favorite sequences in in TV. One Uh, one of the best uh, ever. Yeah, it's so good. Um, And like, th- I thought that was awesome.
2: No, I was just, Corey, that's a phenomenal pickup. I, I didn't pick up on that at all, but that, yeah, that's exactly what it was. The thing the the reason why I like that you brought it up so much is in that scene, I remember I was sitting there in the theater thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm exhausted watching Bond go through yep. all these guys go yeah. up the stairs. Like this poor dude, can he catch a fucking break? And then he finally gets to the top and that, that moment, <clears throat> excuse me, where he's at the top of the se- uh, top of the stairs, and you see how exhausted he is, but he also still maintains that swagger and cool that Bond always does. It was just so, it was so fundamentally James Bond. And then, oh, believe me, I noticed when he's walking down the tunnel and turns
1: around and shoots. Yes, that, that one was a favorite of mine, too. Oh, my God. The- was,
2: yeah. So I was, wh- one thing I was just going to add is, um, as a callback to my earlier point, That was a moment where if I wish, I wish we didn't have COVID and my theater was packed because my first thought was this theater would be going apeshit right now. When he turns down the hall and shoots the guy that you don't even see. The theater would have erupted, and I was sitting there with six people who were like, "Ah, oh, yes, nice, nice." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was
1: very so true. Like,
2: I heard a guy whisper to his girlfriend, "Like, oh, that was so cool." But that was it. <laughs> Plus, that was you had, had your
1: nice, time. you had your nice, like, cocktail there during uh, during the film I, too. Which exza- was nice. Exactly.
2: Exactly.
1: Um, but the, dude, that was such. A, yeah, that was. How long, a how
2: long did that cocktail last? You realistically? <laughs> so I did. I did the very typical theater thing. Like, I polished off my M and M's before the movie started. And then the cocktail lasted until about the point where Vesper's grave blows up. And I was like, nice.
1: Yep, sounds about right. Now, the uh, the other one thing I, I really liked uh, talking about little stuff is I loved the little, like, fun scene that they went up in the engine control room afterwards where it's just, like, uh, just Q talking through, like, the long list of things while he's already done all of them. And you then know. he's like, well, you got to do this. And he just throws the switch. He's like, yeah, it's done. Yes,
0: it's good. It's, that was It's like, done. Yeah, that was <laughs> a that classic was, Bond. Me,
2: To me, that was a callback to um, Skyfall where they talk talk about how like James Bond is the old school guy who knows the old school ways and Q is the new school guy running on technology. Like Bond, of course, Daniel Craig's James Bond knows how to operate an old nuclear silo from the Cold War days. Like, of course he does. He doesn't need help. That was fucking awesome. And I noticed that immediately. That was really cool.
1: No, that's a great point, Zach. Like what a cool way to like not only just have a fun Bond moment, but also wrap up like a little theme that's been central to, and also borderline, a little foreshadowing where like this guy is, you know, he's been replaced already by this other 007. And like, he is a dinosaur and he is kind of on his way out. And then, uh, you know, not shortly after that, he is out.
0: (laughs) So Stegs, I want to go off of something that you said and kind of close this episode out with where is this, franchise going in the future because daniel craig is obviously now gone james bond is presumably dead so what's next
1: i don't know i, I feel like the style of these has not exhausted itself with fans I'm, the thing i'm probably most curious to see is like do they completely reboot with all the side characters or do you like does m is m still uh ralph fines is uh like are, do we still have the new like 007 who actually isn't 007 anymore after the way this went so maybe she's back to 007 some fun stuff the Anna D'Arma stuff would be fun to keep having but overall I don't know that's a uh, fucking useless theory for you there you go <laughs> so
2: don't don't worry I'll pick up Stegs because I, I have solved this dilemma I know exactly what they need to do next and the Broccoli's and Fleming should hire me because I think this is the most brilliant way to <laughs> reboot the franchise. Process. You did have a
1: dope suit on and he had a martini, so you guys should uh, should focus up and listen to him.
2: No. So I was thinking about this last night. I was, I was thinking about this even before the movie. Like, what the hell do we do with Bond next, right? Like, we've kind of done everything. Why not take it back to the 60s and put a modern spin on the 60s era with James Bond? So hi you know hire i don't know michael fassbender maybe he's a little too old but michael fassbender tom hiddleston one of one of these phenomenal british actors we have and give a modern look at what 60s era bond would have been i think that could that could be a really cool spin on the next step because this to me i mean this is really dorky but it it reminds me of when The Modern Warfare video or sorry, when the Call of Duty video games ran out of World War stuff, World War Two stuff to do. So they went to Modern Warfare and then eventually they ran out of Modern Warfare stuff to do. So they went back to World War Two. Let's go back to the '60s and explore it again, but in a different way with different actors, different directors, and obviously with a much more uh, modern touch to it. Right? Like one of our big complaints nowadays with the old Bond movies is he's such a chauvinist. He's such you know it. it the th- the things that they did in the '60s don't quite work in today's modern era. I'm not asking you to be woke in the '60s. That would be stupid because it would be anachroni- It would be anachronistic, but do something unique and different in that era that we haven't seen
1: before. I think that that could be really cool for bot. It actually is really interesting. I gotta say like that, that could be, I don't think it'll happen to be honest no. with you, but like, <laughs> no, because I not. think, yeah, because I think it would be too much of a risk for them, but I actually really like that idea. I think that would be a really fun way to like kind like of just freshen me, it yeah. up. I think it'll so much depends on who they end up casting um, as, as kind of always has. Like, I mean, I think, Um, I don't think they necessarily were just looking for a gritty bond. I think they wanted that vibe but I think Daniel Craig getting cast ended up steering it in a direction that they maybe didn't even necessarily expect it to go but I do think the one thing we'll definitely still have is we've kind of set the tone with like we have kind of prestige directors on these things now and like so I think either way we're going to get a fun and like actually good cinema movie rather than just like a blockbuster because i think at this point it's i don't know how it happened or why it happened but it does seem that daniel craig series of bond movies somehow propelled bond from being just like a box office draw in the fun way to being like somehow like theater yeah prestige theater i agree and yeah i think uh i don't know how that why or why that happened but it did pretty quickly once Daniel craig came in and i don't see that changing
2: Okay. So, so the one question I wanted to make sure we asked was for all of us, Corey, you got to start who, who is your number one pick to be the the next bond? If you're a studio head and you get to choose.
0: I honestly don't give a shit. And that's honestly my point. And this is, this is the stupid thing that's been happening is like, oh, he's got to be British. He's got to be a man. He's got to be a white man. Like, I don't fucking care. Just give me a good movie. And honestly, what matters to me more is exactly what Steg said is hire a good director. The reason it went in that direction in which you guys said is because they hired Sam Mendes, an Academy Award winning director, to do Skyfall that's why it went in that direction because they actually made an effort to go that way. So do the same thing. Hire Christopher Nolan. He's been making bond movies this entire time anyway, with inception and Tenet, just with a weird twist. So just hire him to do a bond movie and let's fucking go. I don't care who bond is. Just give me a great director and let's fucking do this. That's what I want. I don't care who bond is. Give me a woman. Give me a black man. Give me an Asian man. Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, they, they threw his name out there. Love that guy. I don't care who Bond is. That's not important. What impor- what's important to me is the quality of the film that you present to me. And that really comes down to the director.
1: As long would- as it's not a filthy Dutchman, you know, it just hate <laughs> those Dutch. The thing I probably care about the most, if anything, is like, because I, I, I don't really care either. I would like it to be someone unknown, more unknown. It doesn't have to be someone who doesn't act obviously, but like I, one thing yeah. I love opportunities for, for people to like, just first off come in and not be known as anything else. But, but like, I, this happened to me the last couple of times, like I didn't know Daniel Craig. I wasn't against him being mom when he first came in. Cause I'm ten and I'm blonde. So I'm like, Hey, good for me. <laughs> but, uh, but like um, I, I didn't know him. And, and, I didn't really have an opinion he came in he was just freaking amazing and I loved him so much and then it opened up him to this point where like I want to see him in other stuff I think Bond is the name and that's about it so as far as as long as they cast a good uh, good actor and get a good director in there then I think we're good to go I think I care maybe a
2: little more than you than you guys do but not, not in the sense that, like, I'm, I'm going to be devastated. Like, I'm always going to give this franchise a chance, no matter what. Like, no matter who they cast, the next movie, I'm going to the theater to, to see it. But my excitement for it definitely will be impacted based upon who they cast. I, I absolutely would have loved Idris Elba but he's too, he's a little too old now. Like I, de- I definitely, my point being, I don't want an old actor cast. Cause it, I don't want, I, I just don't want to watch a guy for two movies and then have him disappear again because, because he's already too old. Um, I've, I've been looking up lists this entire time while we're talking. I see Richard Madden come up a lot. I, he's a little too like almost mainstream or just a little too much Rob Stark. Like I don't, I don't necessarily think I want him. I, I tend to agree with you, Stegs. like a newer actor who we don't know as well would be pretty awesome. But again, I question like, is that just because that's what it was for me with Daniel Craig and that's what I want again? It could, it could absolutely work with an established actor. Henry Cable is one I think would be pretty badass.
1: That gets floated around a lot. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested. I, he's be got the
2: look. He's got the look, no doubt he's i mean he's one of the most handsome motherfuckers on the planet and he's extremely suave uh what was the movie he did i i should remember this because i love it um
1: man from uncle
2: yeah the man from uncle extremely underrated and i really like that movie plus he's phenomenal in mission impossible so i think he could really pull it
0: off Um, keep him in mission impossible
2: fair fair enough I, d- I don't necessarily want it to be a woman, not b- not because I'm trying to gatekeep or anything like that. I just, I find it a little bit of a, a stretch or a try-hard move when you try to force a different gender into a very established role like this, where I'd rather see like, why don't you just create an awesome role for a woman in a different spy movie where she can be a badass, kind of like... What,
1: how would we give Anna de Armas a freaking spinoff movie? That would watch the hell out yes. of that movie. Or... or, yep. or I keep forgetting her name, and I feel
2: like a dumbass for doing this. But or the woman who plays 007 in this, give her a spinoff.
0: She's fucking. Lashana awesome. Lynch, she rules. Yeah, yeah she's fucking incredible. They, but don't up, can we run. just talk about
1: they made some? They had some killer females like side roles in this movie. They, like yeah. they, they did a really good job. They 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 were oh man, like that was. I thought I thought they almost made the movie for me. To
0: be honest with you, the last actor that got thrown out there a lot is Roger Jean Page from Bridgerton. I don't know who the hell he is, Uh, so that would definitely, he got the look, he's very handsome, very suave, and it also covers the basis of kind of an unknown being brought into a franchise, so that gets, that name gets uh, thrown out there a lot, I have considered watching Bridgerton to just simply understand, like, is is this the next guy, can he do it, but honestly, I, I just don't care.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's kind of how I am in most things. Like I'll talk about it, but then ultimately, like, just give me a good movie. Like yeah. just, just give, give me a full movie. And, and like you were saying, Zach, like this series more so than anything like if you recast Indiana jones i honestly don't really want to watch that like uh, Indiana jones is harrison ford there are other roles that are a person you don't want shia labeouf what do you mean hey i like shia labeouf uh in in certain things not when he's swinging from digital vines i don't think there's any chance of shia labeouf being in really any movie for a while so um i don't think we have to worry about it there no but in general like uh no i i think the nice part about bond is like it's a rebootable franchise and every single time there's a reboot um it's kind of a blank slate and i am so open to like it's like i go to a restaurant and be like i asked the chef like make me what you want and that's kind of where i'm at with this movie like like make me what you want and i will i have a feeling i'm probably gonna like it either way so here's a hot
2: take go back to the 60s digitally recreate sean connery and start over again not gonna happen. But I I do think they
0: should go back to the sixties and just do a standalone movie like Honor, Majesty's Secret Service with yeah. Idris Elba. Just do one. Just yeah, one. wouldn't that be
1: would that be kind of fun if we just settled into just doing one off Bond movies for like a couple decades? Dope. So yeah. dope. That'd be we so cool. Like, like remake, remake Moonraker. I know that'll never happen, but I feel like if that did ever happen, we'd get a lot of really interesting director-actor combos. If we knew oh. we'd only have one, like that'd be amazing. Like, like then, like absolutely, let's get let's get whoever we want for either one of these ones. Let's have an animated Bond movie.
2: <laughs> La- last thing I was thinking last night was how cool would it be to remake or not remake to make another or to make a Bond movie in the style of uh, John Wick the gun the gunplay in john wick would suit james bond so it almost it almost
1: happened in the stairwell scene in this movie yeah (laughs) real
2: the only thing i was i i wanted more from a john wick style was how john wick perfectly headshots everyone with like one bullet so casually it's the coolest thing in in action movies
1: right now
0: because he's a fucking professional he finishes everyone off instead of this dumb bullshit like leave him bleeding to death
1: my only (laughs) professionalism my only request my only request for next series is like let's just get a little more color going on in these movies like like we've settled into this like dark drab concrete world the last couple like can we get some solved by the 60s again solved by the 60s yeah i i agree with you let's get let's get some go 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 colors going on here (laughs)
0: all right so we are going to get out of here that is our discussion about no time to die and the kind of fallout because eh, fallout may may not be the right word but mission mission impossible fallout (laughs) great movie uh but where we're going from here and that's about it you can follow us on instagram at back porch media at porchback media on twitter spotify apple podcasts all of that stuff read and review us leave nice comments we love to see it and we are out of here see y'all See ya. Peace.